to breakfast What's before lunch? It's Austin, Texas It's Weird Brunch I am so fussy <laughs> I'm sorry going through that. You deserve it, girl I know Be fussy I know, I thank, you. thank you both for the support <laughs> Be fussy be fussy. That's what my mug says. Does it Be really? Fussy. Oh. No. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> I feel like fussy is a word that is used for little kids yeah. almost entirely until this day. Special for you. The words only show up when I fill it up with my coffee. Ooh. Hot. Don't liquid. talk to me before I'm fussy. Oh, God. <laughs> but first, coffee. <laughs> I don't miss going to an office. I, I have to say, I really don't miss any of that shit. Well, me neither. If you ask me. I did. <laughs> <laughs> so have y'all done any Halloween decorating yet? No. Uh, no, just uh, embroidering a bunch of spooky shit. I bought this. Is that Halloween? Up a little? I can't. It's kind of mm-hmm. creepy. <laughs> There we go. Oh, it's that kinda is creepy. But kind of sweet. Yeah, it's yeah. Too sweet for Halloween. You're right. Kind of creepy, kind of sweet. Yeah, that that uh, cloud turd monster needs to be eating the girl in the boat, that's a, and then it's Halloween. So it happens after the moment that was captured, the sweet moment. Oh, that's the tricking mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's happening. That's the trick, and then it. he gets a treat, which is her bones. That's how it works. I just mm-hmm. like the term cloud turd monster. <laughs> very nice yeah. I love when we get our episode names right away it's <laughs> <laughs> true well I I my front of my house is decorated a little on our porch and then I bought this ghost lady who's hanging from our tree now and mm-hmm. she's like white and ghostly and if you turn her on, she like glows blue and makes spooky sounds. So I'm very excited. I also just ordered a bunch of stuff from AGB curbside and added one of those green. The I think they're actually called blue pumpkins. But anyways, still super excited that it's Halloween time still. <laughs> Um, have you like, so the, you, the woman hanging from the tree that you just bought, have you seen how fucking many people have hanged or hung themselves, hanged themselves in trees or hanged other people in trees around Halloween to where people will walk by and be like, oh, the Joneses did really well this year. Look how real that decoration is. That sounds horrifying. More than one. It's more than that one. That sounds like your story for next time, unless you're segueing to your story right now. But I feel no, like that's wouldn't. I. No, I thought about it, but there's just there's so many, and it's just sad. It just bumps me out. Well, I did think John was like, "Well, it's got to look like a ghost because otherwise, like right now, it'll just be like really, really creepy with people hanging." And I was like, "Yeah, I know." I'm totally ghosting it but um, yeah don't hang people in trees or yourself just don't murder people 
Yeah. Please. Just uh, Please. leave the trees out of it, you know? Oh, for sure. Please don't murder trees. Don't use trees for murder. Don't murder near a tree. Mm-hmm. They don't mm-hmm. like blood. They didn't do shit to you. You don't need to desecrate that tree. There's plenty of other ways to kill yourself. Or somebody else. I just, I need a vacation. Wow. I'm getting one, though. Whee! Yay! Where are you going? Lake Livingston, where dreams come true in Texas. Rainbow noises. A lake in mm-hmm. Texas? Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Is it true? Is it a true fact that there's only two non-man-made lakes in Texas? I thought there was only one. Just is one? it Lake Whitney? I think it is. Oh. Or Meredith? Did you just make that up? I never heard no Lake Meredith. I feel like I have. Um, well, no, then- Lake Whitney. Lake Whitney is a flood control reservoir. Fuck. Sorry, sorry, girl. You're just a retention pond. I knew it. Deep down, I fucking knew it. TexasMonthly.com is saying that there's hundreds of natural lakes. I believe Texas Monthly. I do, too. They would have been the only people motivated to count them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's always funny to me that Town Lake and Lady Bird Lake is called a lake, even though it's just part of a river. And I wonder... How many of those Texas monthly lakes are actually rivers? Yeah, because the the one that they're saying is the only natural lake is Lake Cato mm. or Cato, however you want to say it's it. After Cato. the Native Amer- is it C A D O? C A D D O. I can't. Uh, it's been so long since I took a class about all the Native American tribes from Texas. But it's the tribe. Okay. I, I thought it was Cato then, but. Probably. It's probably wrong. Both of us are saying it wrong. Well, it's in East Texas, so that makes me think it's Cato. We're going to Lake Cato. <laughs> We're going to Lake Cato. Why? Why are you going over there? Billy got a new jet ski. His uncle died on it and left it to him. God. He hung himself on Halloween. <laughs> it was a real good decoration. <laughs> he tied the jet ski to his leg. <laughs> And just set it out into the lake and it slowly <laughs> see if that's that's you know what? You just created the acceptable way to kill yourself hanging from a tree. Yeah. Dang. That's you know, that's what but I'm here to do. You've today. got skills. Let's talk about our options. <laughs> Especially the ones that involve jet skis. Well, welcome to Weird Brunch. Oh, thanks. You're you're welcome, y'all. I don't know if we knew that we're we were recording a podcast right now, but oh, oh I thought we were just talking about jet ski deaths. <laughs> jet ski deaths. We should do a whole episode on jet ski deaths. Oh man, we could probably do a whole season on jet ski deaths. There's a I saw on Reddit. There's something on the front page right now about a jet ski almost getting pulled under like a large large cargo ship and the guy obviously because it's 2020 is recording himself as he's basically getting pulled under a cargo ship it's very terrifying but he gets away so that one couldn't be in it the episode i want to talk about a man named Mm. forrest fenn forrest fenn just died uh 
a week ago, two weeks ago, September 8th. Um, and he's famous, even if you haven't heard about him, because what he did is he wrote an autobiography in 2010 that was called, gosh, I do not have my notes in order yet, The Thrill of the Chase. It's about his life as an art and antiquities dealer in Santa Fe, New Mexico. But the thing that everybody bought this boring autobiography for was that there was a poem at the end of the book. And the poem had clues that led to a treasure chest somewhere in the Rocky Mountains full of about $2 million worth of shit. And whoever could find it, it was theirs. That chase was on. Now, it built slowly at first because it was the autobiography of an art dealer in Santa Fe. So not a lot of people read it. And then even fewer people like were like, oh, that's real. I'm going to go find a treasure chest now. But word started to build online where people were sharing like ideas and clues uh, and like a whole online community built up around it. And then by 2015, he was like on the Today Show getting interviewed about it. And then it just exploded. He estimates that over 350,000 people have participated in the search at one point or another. Westward, which is a Denver newspaper, guesses something more around 20,000, but a lot of people looked for this treasure. Most of them spent their time looking in and around Santa Fe, so much so that his art gallery in Santa Fe became like a tourist attraction and uh, a starting point for basically a bunch of adventurers in khakis with GPSs to wander around New Mexico looking for treasure. It was famously impossible. Like it's just the clues were really obscure and people would get super frustrated and Forrest Fenn would drop like even more enigmatic quotes. But the real notoriety started happening in 2015 when people started to die while looking for the treasure. Mm -mm. Between three and five people died looking for this treasure. And the ambiguity is because they're not sure if two of them were actually looking for the treasure or not. But three people definitely were. One of them was named Randy Bill Yu. He thought he had found it in the high desert of New Mexico. Um, But unfortunately, after he excitedly texted that back, he died in the high desert of New Mexico, uh, freezing to death overnight and then drowning in a river somehow in that order. I think he got freezing cold and then tried to jump on the river when it was choppy in his raft. Uh, And then they found him months later, all bloated and dead. Gotta watch out for the chop, man. Mm -hmm. And the bloat. And the bloat. (laughs) No one likes to feel bloated. In 2017, uh, another Colorado guy, Eric Ashby, a 31-year-old, disappeared in the Rocky Mountains looking for this treasure. He was last seen on a raft on the Arkansas River. And uh, he never was seen again. And he was presumed to be drowned. And then they eventually did find his bloated body. So if you're looking for treasure, don't get on a river. Mm-mm. Okay. How many treasure locations are the cause of death in America? <laughs> I'm, I think a good amount. I'm going to guess more than any other country. It seems like the kind of thing we'd be at the top of the list of treasure hunting deaths. 
I mean, I feel like this is like our, between the three of us, this is like the fourth time we've had a, and then they died trying to find find treasure. I bet there's more over, like, there's got to be way more treasure places in countries with older, like, history. Like Spain? (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, in Italy and shit, they're always like, oh, yeah, we were digging, like, on this street to build some new condo and underneath it we figured out there was another roman coliseum like what this is so weird so uh i'm just saying all right the third person to die was a preacher <laughs> Chris, like, shut up. <laughs> i just got excited because i found some cool details <laughs> I love it. Uh, a priest or a pastor, as a matter of fact, by the name of Paris Wallace. He was from Grand Junction, Colorado. He went down to Taos because he believed it was there. And he got a car. He In the car, they found uh, receipts for a rope and other supplies. And a short distance from that vehicle, they found part of a rope. Not all of the rope, which says a lot about the rope that he bought. Uh, his body was never recovered. Anyway, well, that's not on a river. It's it's on it's on the Rio Grande, actually. The oh. yeah, so he fell into the Rio Grande Gorge in Taos, and that was the end of him. Jesus. So here's the poem that people died over. You ready? Oh yes. yes. Poetry time. As I have gone alone in there, and with my treasures bold, I can keep my secret where and hints of riches new and old. It's not a good poem, okay? Begin it, <laughs> begin it where warm waters halt and take it in the canyon down, not far, but too far to walk. Put in below the home of Brown. From there, it's- This is a sex thing. <laughs> From there, there's no place for the meek. The end is ever drawing nigh. There will be no paddle up your creek, just heavy loads and water high. I think you're right. I think he's talking about shit. This is sex, dude. <laughs> If you've been wise and found the blaze, look quickly down your quest to cease. But tarry scant with marvel gaze, just take the chest and go in peace. So why is it that I must go and leave my trove for all to seek? The answer's I already know. I've done it tired and now I'm weak. So hear me all and listen good. Your effort will be worth the cold. If you are brave and in the wood, I give you title to the gold. This person wrote this poem in present time, in correctly or correct, two thousand ten. Yes, he was eighty. Okay, nine. Fuck you, you pirate motherfucker. Yeah, this is like some Ren Fair dude gone nuts. Oh, yeah, yep, eighty years old, right? Uh, so people are dying. People are still hunting for it. Uh, people are getting frustrated. People are making threats against him. Some people who are hunting for it strike up a friendship with him. And uh, he's like really kind and drops tiny little hints, but nothing really useful. Anyway, in 2019, he announces at the age of 89 that someone found the treasure in New Mexico, but they wish to remain anonymous and he has no proof. So everybody's like, like, okay, Okay, cool. But he said the place where the treasure is was found will be the location where his body will be buried. So everyone will find out the location when he dies. Then in June of this year, Forrest Fenn announced that the treasure had been found in Wyoming. Wait. Yes, it had been found again, this time in Wyoming. 
And this time he had three pictures to show that it had really been found because nobody believed him the first time. Wait, it was found in a completely different... Yeah, it's found in Wyoming. Yeah. (laughs) So he had a picture of a box and a tarnished bracelet and himself looking at some of the items. But he still wouldn't say who found Mm -hmm. it, saying they wished to remain anonymous. And then at the age of 90, he croaked a month ago. So he got all these obituaries and everything. And the controversy is that people are pretty sure there's no goddamn treasure and that this was all a publicity stunt to sell his book and also bring people to his art gallery. Question. Mm-hmm. What's his What's his art like if his poetry is the way it is? Oh, I'm going to give you some details and you can guess. Yes. Art. It's not his art. It's the heart he sold. But let's do a little biography quickly on Forrest Fenn. Who is this weirdo, right? Forrest Fenn was born in 1930 in Temple, Texas. He was a poor student who disappointed his father. And uh, then he was a decorated Air Force pilot who was shot down in the Vietnam War and he survived the Laos jungle. He was known as a bit of an eccentric. And in this essay that I found, he was said to be the kind of man who drank buttermilk out of the bottle. Oh, gross. He kept alligators. Old president would do or something. I fucking hate like that. George Washington drank buttermilk from the bottle. I'm sorry. Buttermilk and chloroquine. It'll keep the kind of it away. <laughs> he uh, he kept alligators in the garden of his art gallery. Jesus. He collected runover soda cans as pieces of found art. Oh, God. So did Clarissa. He loved books and language and held on to words like cream that apparently nobody but he still used. And he started his art gallery with former Texas Governor John Connolly, who was one of the people who helped Lyndon B. Johnson get nominated. And he was wounded by the bullets in the Kennedy assassination. So what did Forrest Fenn and John Connolly get up to? They sold some fraudulent masterpieces, Elmer DeHorey's famous forged masterpieces, and they sold them as fraudulent masterpieces. So his art gallery was basically a publicity stunt machine. Alligators out there, run over soda cans, known works of fraudulent art. It was like Chinatown. It was like more of a gift shop. But like famous, uh, Hollywood people would stop there. This was like a place in Santa Fe that was like Marco. What kind of Hollywood people? I'll tell you, uh, Julia Roberts. Uh, oh, never mind. The exact kind of Hollywood people who go to Marfa. Let's just okay. you get it right. He once shot a mountain lion and leapt down into a canyon, grabbed hold of the top of the tree, climbed down it, tied the carcass to a rope so he could lift it out and get the fifty dollar bounty from the Cattlemen's Association. So boom. There's your tie-in to dead bodies and trees. <laughs> and then uh, he threw this crazy autobiography out there uh, when he was 80 years old and teased a bunch of people into dying in the middle of the woods. So his biggest fear was getting Alzheimer's. And he said he would kill himself before he lost his mind. Unfortunately, he didn't have to do that unless you believe he lost his mind before uh, this whole thing happened. Where did I find... All of these lovely details. I found them in a medium post by the person who claims to have found the treasure chest. It was posted six days ago uh, from when this was recorded. So in late September, 
Uh, and the person who found it uh, will not identify himself. He wants to keep his anonymity because he doesn't want all the press attention that's coming with this whole treasure hunt. Yeah. But he said uh, he's a poor millennial and he's using it to pay off his student loan bills. That is a load of bullshit. There is no way we can't find out who this is. <laughs> he said it took 25 days of failure before he finally found the location. And uh, when he got back to his rental car with it, he just started bawling. Uh, he claims to have struck up a big friendship with Forrest Fenn. And that's why the photographs were provided with Fenn actually looking at his own treasure. He went and took the treasure back to Forrest to confirm that it was okay for him to keep it. And it's a really sweet story if you believe it. Because in these pictures, he doesn't show himself, of course. He was completely open with me about anything I wanted to confirm or know when we met, but his emotions were a little perplexing. I could tell there was some eagerness in finally sharing some secrets with someone, but there was also melancholy. And so perhaps it's fitting that ambivalence ends in me knowing most of the answers, but hidden, getting to keep some of them forever. In other words, he ain't telling where the chest was found and Forrest Fenn was buried in Santa Fe nowhere near the supposed Wyoming location. So was it a hoax? Was it not? Was it really worth $2 million? Was it not? We'll never know. Does that guy have $2 million worth of student loans? Yeah, isn't that standard? It's all bullshit. I mean, I guess. What kind of doctorate does he have? Right. Out-of-state doctorate. One of the pictures uh, is of some rusty scissors and some Ziploc bags full of condensation with some earrings inside. And Ew. he asked Forrest why he put scissors in there. And Forrest said, because uh, he said, I figured they belonged to King Tut or something. And Forrest said, no, they're just a pair of scissors. At some point, I just dropped them in there and I thought, eh, I'll leave them in. Okay. <laughs> Forrest just buried a bunch of trash somewhere. <laughs> and then he died. Like, I think it was all a hoax to get pl- pl- publicity. publicity and I think he wrote that post and had somebody post it for him after he died. I totally agree. I think this is totally a Andy Kaufman style thing with what was his alter ego's name? Anyway, I think it is. I think it's a total hoax. Um, and it would be very amusing if five people didn't die because of it. Yeah. I also like those bodies are on your hands, man. I wonder if he started saying like, oh yeah, it's been found because he started to feel guilty. After 2017, he did say when the, when the last body was discovered or last person died, he did say that the, the treasure was buried where any octogenarian could easily get there by foot because he buried it himself and he was very old. So he was hoping to get people to stop doing like Batman shit looking for this treasure, but I'm going to rappel down this quarry side and jump in a river. Yeah. With a rope that I just bought at Walgreens and Taos. Yeah. What if his old ass did do that, though? I don't know. I'd love to watch it. Right? Yeah. No, I think it's all bullshit. You're a bullshitter. He's a dead one now. He made it to 90. That's pretty impressive. That is impressive. Mm-hmm. My crumb mod just turned 90 also. <gasps> what if they have the same birthday? <gasps> oh. My God. It's spooky. Halloween. <laughs> Lots of spookies. Well, let's talk about somebody who didn't make it to 90. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about it. 
Hell yeah. Sick <laughs> transition, free dog. All right. Um, so uh, first off, I'd like for you to keep this in mind as we go. Tell me why this bitch is not in Wikipedia. Okay, so we're going to talk about Erin Valenti. She uh, was last seen on October 7th, 2019 in Palo Alto, California. She was the CEO of Tinker, which is a full-service digital product agency. Uh, Karina, maybe you're familiar with that kind of company. Mm -hmm. So she was just a boss-ass bitch. She had 15 years of leadership and venture capital bullshit stuff I don't understand, but I know is cool and very respectable, Erin. She was 33 at the time of her uh, last scene. So, oh, Lisa, did you just say 15 years of experience? I sure as fuck did. So she founded a lot of different startups. Um, I'll get into how this started at 18. Um, but she founded SLC uh, Tech Startups, which was a professional networking group. She was, lived in or was out of Salt Lake City. Uh, she was a volunteer for Not for Sale, which is uh, described as an advocate for anti-human trafficking initiatives. Uh, she participated in a humanitarian mission to Uganda in 2008 um, with Not for Sale. She's been described as having a, quote, complete refusal to fail. Uh, and as a, quote, dogged entrepreneur, Erin seemed ready for a change over the last year or so before her disappearance. And she would call it friends with ideas. And then she would like have them over for brainstorming with wine. When she was younger, she was a very uh, tenacious child. Uh, she and a friend wrote a newsletter that called out neighbors for smoking and documented all of the litter they found. Uh -huh. Wow. Would you say her nickname as a child was Tenacious V? Yes, <laughs> I would. In middle school, she built a database for scuba diving school as homework and then started charging the business to maintain it. Jesus Christ, you nerd. She continued to create databases for cash throughout her years at Georgetown University, where her mother said she would have graduated with a 4.0, if not for an A- minus in Mandarin. <laughs> Rude. At 18 years old, she met her husband, Harrison Weinstein, no relation, uh, at a white clapboard hotel. I don't know what that means. In Quebec, where her family skied. I'm assuming that's like a, what you imagine is a ski resort. It's a, it's a style of building. You know, the clapboard style. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's kind of like normal style. Like when you see wooden slats on the side of a building, but typically when they say clapboard, it's like not as even as like siding that you get now, but just horizontal slats of wood. So they were like an outdoorsy couple. Uh, her nickname was Armageddon Aaron because of her boisterous energy and uh, proclivity for being in places when natural disasters hit. Mm. October of 2019, she had gone to Orange County for a three-day professional development workshop and then flew to the Bay Area to visit some former colleagues and friends. Her mom, Agnes, remembered Erin calling her like really excited about the workshop and starting a new business venture. She was feeling really inspired. So October 7th, she's in a rental car. She's driving from Palo Alto to San Jose to get on a plane home from her tech conference and her visiting friends. Her husband... Harrison and her mom, Agnes, took turns talking to her for hours until midnight when the call started going to voicemail. 
the calls with Aaron started with Aaron saying she couldn't find her rental car. So she's like, I don't know where it is. And then her mom calls her back and she's like, okay, I found the car. I'm on the way to the airport. And she's speaking very fast with disconnected thoughts. She'd go from, I'm coming home for Thanksgiving and I'm super excited to, it's a game. It's a thought experiment. We're living in the matrix to, I'm going to miss my flight. (laughs) So she's, She's breaking. That sounds. Mm-hmm. Is there any elevator footage? No, no. So Harrison and Agnes, they call the police and they name the situation. The police name the situation a quote, voluntary disappearance. Hmm. Midnight Friday, October 11th. So this is four days after they have talked with her. Harrison posts in a Facebook group called help find Aaron Valenti saying, The family didn't accept the police assessment of her disappearance, adding that her behavior was extremely out of character. Hmm. Her family and friends do agree on some things. She had no history of mental health disorders or substance abuse. She surrounded herself with friends and was not the type to bottle her feelings. Her husband wrote that the designation, quote, voluntary disappearance meant police wouldn't be actively searching for her. And anybody who can help look for her, pressure authorities to do more, he wrote, anything else would be much appreciated. A volunteer in a search party found Valenti's body in the back seat of her rental car on a quiet residential street, Bose Lane, where the gray Nissan Murano had been parked for five days. Hmm. She's dead. Yes. So <laughs> instead of making a left turn into the San Jose airport, she drove another 15 minutes to the neighborhood where the car was found. San Jose police found no evidence of foul play. Blood tests were negative for common prescription drugs and other substances. And then in February 2020, some of the autopsy information came out. The autopsy ruled her manner of death natural and said the cause was, quote, sudden death in the setting of an acute manic episode. Oh. Hmm. Right? Like, what the fuck does that answer? So she's having a manic episode, and she just spontaneously dies? Like, it's not an aneurysm? It's not... I mean, that's what... I, the, co- the cause is acute manic episode. It doesn't go into aneurysm or, like, anything, that, or stroke, or anything that would you would think would relate to that. So I I don't fucking, I don't like it. She had a previous diagnosis for a thyroid condition that was treated with medication. The autopsy report noted that her condition could have contributed to her death. However, blood samples were not satisfactory for an analysis leading to that. The cops listened to her calls just before and they're like, oh, this is a manic episode for sure. Okay, authorities also said a review of her medical records suggests that the etiology of her final manic episode was related to an emerging previously undiagnosed psychiatric disorder. My problem with that is that at 33, you typically have signs of that in your 20s, and it is typically identified pretty easily, (laughs) especially if you're like a super high functioning person where you're starting all these companies and stuff. The family then told uh, Business Insider, which is where a lot of this information is from, last year that she had no diagnosis of a mental health disorder. Mm. The manic episode is not a disorder on its own. Uh, It's the principal symptom of bipolar disorder, 
One risk of having a manic episode is that the event is uh, characterized by feelings of euphoria, racing thoughts, and feelings of connectedness. And it's typically followed by a period of depression or irritability. The contrast from high to low feels more dramatic to a person suffering a bipolar disorder. This then suggests that suicide attempts are are common with people suffering from, from bipolar, but she didn't kill herself. It also says that bipolar disorder, people suffering from bipolar disorder have higher rates of death from natural causes like heart disease or stroke at an earlier age. But again, there's no note of her having a stroke uh, or anything like that. Hmm. Her mother, Agnes, said she had been told that the autopsy might be inconclusive because her daughter's body was found presumably days after her death. Hmm. Her family established a scholarship fund at the University of uh, Utah to honor her memory with a goal of supporting female students who share a passion for entrepreneurship. It has raised more than $100,000 to date. So um, all of this to me is totally fucking bizarre from the autopsy and from the the police. So let's talk about brainwave interface. Yay. I don't know what this is. So you're going to have to. Enter Thomas Reardon. Uh, He invented Internet Explorer. Uh, he partnered with Bill Gates, so he's like a rich-ass bitch. He's now running uh, Control Labs, CTRL Labs. And Erin, some of her last known, like, you know, she was she was well-known in the tech community, and some of her last words were actually on Control Labs and brainwave interfaces. And I quote, The future of brain-machine interfaces is non-invasive. Instead of surgical implants, Control Labs uses state-of-the-art detection and machine learning to read your neurons from outside the body. The first step will be technology precisely picking up signals from inside your body to control devices outside of it with little more than natural gestures. The next step Uh, and we are already closer to that than most people realize, we'll be reading the intention directly from your brain. So that's like, instead of being like, hey, Google, you just think, I want to go to Whitney's house, and then it shows you the map. Like your map pulls up. Like on your computer, it's projected into your head. Well, first step would be on your computer. Okay, just curious. So just so you know, it's kind of creepy, but this is exactly what Trish does for a living. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's a really- I have so many questions. Now they're not making some of these claims that they can just, you know, kind of peer into your brain skull. They're Read doing it mind. through the eye and eye movement, but it's the same idea, brain machine interface. Second part of her quote control labs is pioneering something entirely new at the intersection of biology and code uh he meaning thomas reardon did this by assembling a rare cadre of sciences uh, scientists and technologists uh phds in computational neuroscience biomechanics paired with hackers and coders experts in signal processing machine learning and human computer interaction and industrial designers yeah is signal processing would be more of the eye yeah. movement, right? Yeah, this is, I mean, this is eerie how familiar this sounds. Yeah. So another woman, Rochelle Bergeron, was killed the same day as Aaron Valenti. Mm-hmm. 
supposedly same day. Uh, Rochelle is an American. She's 36 years old. Uh, she was the attorney general of the island of Yap, part of the Federated States of Micronesia. Uh, what? She was speaking <laughs> Micronesia. Wait, that's a real what, what did I say? The island of Yap. I think she's talking about Yap. Oh, Yap. Yep. Oh, Yap. Yep. Yep. She was speaking to her constituency <laughs> about how to recognize <laughs> human trafficker. Oh, no. What What's is that? Is it a fake place? No, no, no. Of course I had to Google that because it's a weird island, right? And apparently the language is Yappies. And in Yappies, it's called Wakab. Ooh. W-A-Q-A-B. So let's are- go there. It's way more fun there. Yeah. What a like. fucking journey. It's part of the U.S. We can go there. The Mic- Micronesia oh, yeah, is a U.S. protectorate. Yeah. So she was... <laughs> She was talking about how to recognize human traffickers uh, and how to resist or stop them. And let's see, she and her dog were executed. Then she was put on the back what? of a flatbed truck and transported to a hospital, DOA. Wow. The human trafficking victims are allegedly used for forced labor and abysmal conditions. We know about human so the traffickers supply as more and more evidence indicates specimens for biotech and human behavioral adaptation to tech control experimentation so she was also talking about this as a something to avoid with human trafficking i think we all think you know sex but it's a a lot more than that is what she is saying valenti who reached her family, you know, not part of these conversations she was having at some point, she said, mind control is the same as neuro control. So when you hear neuro control, it's just the same thing. Uh, And then that's when she said, we're all in the matrix. It's all a game, a thought experiment. If the technology exists that Thomas Reardon or others developed a tech that requires no drugs or implants uh, that can interfere with someone's thinking and prompt their behavior to their destruction and possibly even make people have a manic episode. Hmm. It could be that someday it could be interfering for good. Um, So the idea would be like, let's make people having a manic episode. Let's calm them. Let's um, quell like murderous tendencies, like be able to see people who have, you know, a, a, a less, a, I don't know how I want to say that. I have people that have a brain, you know, thought pattern that is alternative to uh, positive, be able to help them through different tough times, things like that. So, you know, it's one of those like, could be the best thing in the world, could also be the most fucking awful thing in the world. Uh, In September 29th of 2019, Facebook buys control labs. Mm. Of course. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So do you think they're going to use it for good? Who, Facebook? (laughs) No. It sounds like straight out of 1984. Like the thought police are coming. The the good news is that the science here uh, is no, not, it's not a thing. I mean, not fully yet, but I think we're all on our way. Mm. Control Labs developed a wristband that picks up signals from the brain and allows users to control a digital device without moving a finger. 
Its long-term vision is to pave the way for mass consumer adoption of non-invasive neural interface technology. This is all from a report in CNBC from last year. Yeah, Erin is uh, gone. She warned us all that we're in the matrix. Trish and uh, Thomas Reardon are controlling our brains. Mm -hmm. At least Karina is safe. Or are you trying to infiltrate Lisa and I right now? I've already been fully controlled. So <laughs> really no hope there. Mm -mm. No, it's just done. The only thing that's saying to you is that I can't get you through, you know, Zoom. So you're safe now. But the next time we get together it sounds in person, like if I lightly game over. Yeah, if I lightly touch you on the shoulder, you're mine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, that sounds like something a robot trying to kill me would say. That you can't get me through Zoom. You're one of the smart ones. So all of this is just the most insane thing I've ever. There's also people that are, you know, obviously we're people are taking this kind of, you know, wherever they want to. I tried to pull just the facts out of it, and then a couple of like supposedly's. But there's people that are like, you know, this is all about human trafficking and, you know, not necessarily like QAnon pedo stuff, but like people are buying humans to test these things out on. And uh, yeah, Erin, even if it's just her, you know, dying and then five days later people are like oh natural causes from a manic episode like that's weird enough in its own to me yeah i don't think i've ever heard of that no that's creepy i wonder if that's just the coroner whoever did that their way of saying like we don't know yeah. but she freaked out first <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i feel like that we know one thing she yeah. was talking a lot she, yeah she was she's got wild ideas she was yapping a lot i'll tell you that she was <laughs> yap yap yapping oh you guys want a good palate cleanser i could read you the 10 uh regions of yap the names of the 10 regions of yap. yes yes right. yap we'll go in reverse alphabetical order here uh wheeloy tomal rumung roll map canafe gilman gaggle fanif and dalapabebino Ooh. Yeah. So if you ever, no. If you ever What's, Yap, what is the population of Yap? The population of Yap is 11,377. It's really not that small. All right. It's well, hours. I'm down to vacation to Yap. Yeah. As long as we don't get murdered. Is it and, pretty? Um, yeah, it's got to be. It's like tropical. It's You think coconuts and sand. Okay. Yeah. I'll go. Okay. I... Want to say, Lisa, I'm mad that you glazed over the fact that that woman and her dog were killed. Right. Which I know it was, was a, a side, it was a side story, but yeah, I do feel like it's important that it was that aggressive against her. And from my dog was talking about human trafficking, and then people like that's a murder. <laughs> yeah. Well. Mine is much more, I guess, lighthearted than this. <laughs> and it's spooky Halloween in our the closest large city to Austin, which is San Antonio. Uh, Don't you ooh, love it? I thought you were going to say Hutto. No, San Hutto. No, not Hutto. San Antonio. Okay. I have two 
little stories. The first one is about the time the devil went down to San Antonio. (laughs) And he was looking for a black shirt to steal. (laughs) Oh, shit. Um, The black shirt capital of the world. It is. But I don't think there were many black shirts to be had because this story comes from 1975. So everyone definitely looked a whole lot better. Did he challenge somebody? (laughs) Did did the devil challenge somebody to a novelty car horn off? Now, you know, (laughs) the second story I have does have horns in it from cars. Okay, I'm not sure if they're novelty or not, but... All right. So this is the story of the dancing devil of San Antonio. And apparently it is huge in San Antonio. All the elders tell their children about this night in 1975 when a dashing, handsome young man, I've seen him described as white (laughs) in most stories, right? Okay, this handsome young man. Of course, the devil's a white guy. Exactly, he's totally a white guy. White devil. He he's dressed in all white as well. He goes into this club called El Camaroncito, which is on Old Highway ninety. If you're familiar with San Antonio, but El Camaroncito nightclub, obviously it's more of a hangout for the Hispanic population of San Antonio. So a white guy going in there, especially in 1975, was like, everyone was like, whoa, who the fuck is this guy? Um, Yeah. Everyone is like, well, okay, you know, we're not horrible. It's the white people are horrible. So they're like, okay, this guy is partying it up. He's dancing with all these women. He's having a good time. Like everybody in the club is like, who is this fucking white guy who's so hot and is so good at dancing? Wow. He finally starts dancing with this girl. And she's like very, she's like swooning very into this. And they're dancing and it's hazy. And she's like, Oh, I'm so whatever. Oh, oh, and she looks down and notices, oh my God, his feet had turned into chicken feet. Oh, wow. And she's that's not hooves. Not hooves. They're chicken feet. And she's like, oh my God. And everyone's like, holy shit. And they're pointing at him. And he's like, oh my God, my shoes are now chicken feet. Claws and he click clacks away into the bathroom to escape the crowd. And from the bathroom, he disappears. And all that's left is some hazy shit. And everybody says that it smells like sulfur, which is a sign that the devil or some type of demonic thing has been around. And so I. Yellowstone is where the devils hang out because mm. there's sulfur pits. Oh, is that for real? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> That's the little story. Nowadays, the club has made its way and turned into a gentleman's club. Woo woo. But <laughs> a lot of people claim that they were at the club when this happened. Or knew somebody who did it 
or who was there. And I found this story from city-data.com slash forum slash San Antonio. So it is very hard to look at. All right. But (laughs) this is funny. It's from a girl or I, I don't know if it's a girl or not actually, but here we go. My crazy grandma told me this story for the first time when I was about 10. Her story goes like this. So a really handsome Caucasian guy that no one has ever seen walks into some club in the Mission District and all of the women are like, oh my God. He goes over to the band who is on a break and that he requests that they play this particular song. He grabs a girl and starts dancing with her and everyone is amazed that the gringo is such a great dancer. All of a sudden... He and the woman start levitating and everyone starts screaming and they try to run, but the lights go out. And a few seconds later, when the lights come back on, the young woman is laying on the ground covered in bloody scratches and the gringo is nowhere to be found. But he had left behind a strange odor of sulfur. My grandma always, or my grandma swears up and down, this is true. And she said they even covered it on the news. And every few years, I ask her to tell me the story. And I always ask her when it happens because she always says about 10 years ago. (laughs) So (laughs) I I like that version. (laughs) But. The second part of my San Antonio spooky stories. It's the car horns. It's the car horns. It's the car horns. And we're traveling to Donkey Lady Bridge. (gasps) That's rude. (gasps) Hee haw. That's that's how Uh, donkeys would gasp. On this this side of the border? You sure? On here? Okay. So let's get out our San Antonio Bibles, everybody. It's time yes. for Donkey Lady Bridge. Donkey Lady Bridge. So, Donkey Lady Bridge mm-hmm. is at the end of Jet Road before it turns into Applewhite on the south side of San Antonio. The story is there's a few always that. A family lived on the property near the bridge, and the dad of this family one night freaked out, set the house on fire with everybody inside, the kids and the mom. And the mom was the only person who was able to get out, but she was terribly disfigured in the fire, fusing her fingers and toes together creating hoof-like hands and feet. There's my hooves. Check it. Her head was also so badly burned in the fire that it healed in a warped, elongated way, resembling that of a donkey. As the story goes, she roams the area surrounding the bridge in South San Antonio nightly, crying for her children. (laughs) She will routinely chase off anybody who bothers her by, like, braying and honking like a donkey. So if you go to the bridge and honk your horn a lot, the donkey lady will come out and, like, frighten you away. That's one version. Okay. Have we... Who has done this? Many San Antonians. 
Do we go do this? Do we go do it? I mean, it's not far away. That's like an hour and a half to get there, maybe. Uh, yeah. Without traffic, because COVID, it's even shorter. We could do a whole bridge tour. We could go to that ghost bridge where the kids push your car over it, too. Mm-hmm. There's another, an, another, another devil's bridge in San Antonio that I was going to talk about, but it doesn't have that much information. And there's a hospital where a headless nun supposedly walks spooking people out. Okay, back to the story. The second story is that in the mid-1950s, a woman would walk her donkey along the roads and fields near her home to let her donkey graze. And a boy claimed that the woman's donkey had bitten him so badly that the boy's father and a bunch of his friends were like, you know what? Fuck this donkey. And so they go find the woman walking her donkey in the fields. They grab a rope that they're going to, or that's hooked to the donkey and they're fighting. And while they're fighting, the donkey accidentally falls into the stream that goes under donkey lady bridge and the donkey drowns while the men are walking away the woman is so pissed because they just killed her donkey she starts throwing rocks at him ends up knocking out one of the guys and the other two guys come back and they're like you know what fuck you throw in the rat in the same creek or whatever and she drowns And the spirit of the woman and her beloved donkey combined into one, and they angrily roam the area around the bridge. So that's like more of a donkey hybrid ghost lady. Okay. And donkey lady ghost is supposed or is said to have enormous strength, scary eyes, obviously beastly screams and rage for anybody that enters her territory. Damn. Rage. She's, she's got some shit. Um, A raging donkey. And now I'm a raging donkey. I'm going to tell one of the stories that I like. There's a few donkey story, donkey lady bridge stories out there, but This one was my favorite. All these stories are written. One of my best friends told a cousin who was his father and brother, blah, blah. Okay. These people are camping on a weekend. It's a dad and his son, and they're looking for a place to pitch a tent. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So the group pulls into this weed-infested area off of a dirt road and starts to make camp. Oh, there were two boys, and they had the task of unloading his the dad's pickup truck while the dad found a suitable site for the tent. While they're unloading the truck, one of the boys hears, like, some rustling in the weeds, and they're like, what's that? And his brother is like, that's creepy. He calls out to the dad. He's like, dad, come back to the truck. And as the dad is coming back, the three of them watch all the tall weeds that are kind of like in front of the truck start to bend down slowly, like something large is walking through it. Mm. They assume it's some type of big animal, but then they start hearing this weird snorting and high-pitched kind of screeches. 
the father is like, I have no idea what this sound is. And the animal that's making it probably does not want us here. So we're going to fucking go. The three of them throw the tent, sleeping bags, all the gear back into the truck. And while they're packing, the father sees out of the corner of his eyes as weeds that are closer to him start to shake and bend. The creature is starting to come towards them and then starts to kind of move away. And as he moves away, the father's like, get in the fucking truck right now. We're leaving. They jump in the truck. He puts it in gear and they're pulling off the road. And out of the weeds, this creature comes running at them in front of his truck. Seconds later, the apparition bounds up onto the hood and is shrieking at them through the glass. Everybody said it looked like a donkey, but was mostly human. As the truck moves away from the weeds, it punches into the wheel, the wheelchair, the windshield, and breaks it. The father hits the brakes. The thing falls off, and they go back, turn around, floor it the other way, and the thing, like, fucking hauls after them, but they actually end up outrunning it. And the donkey lady finally drops back and heads back into the weeds. (gasps) And when they got back to wherever they ended up, the hood was dented. Its paint was scuffed and scraped with hoof marks. And the windshield was almost knocked out. Wow. Boom. Boom. That happens. The donkey lady. That happens to my car every time I park in San Antonio. (laughs) (laughs) but yeah are there pictures of the car there are pictures of the bridge i haven't searched for pictures of the car i would try but it tends to crap up my feed so i'm not gonna do it right now but there are also like fan renderings of the donkey lady and stuff (laughs) there aren't currently any pictures so when we do go yeah Maybe we'll see her, which I definitely don't want to happen. I, I can't draw. Can you draw? Do we need no? We need to bring someone who can draw good. Yeah, you know I'm saying? yeah. We'll bring like a caricature artist. Yes. Yeah. You know. Well, like yeah. Real donkey lady. If we're gonna get a caricature artist to draw a picture of a donkey lady, we can just have him draw me, and that's how it always comes out. So we're done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Well, uh, that was, guys, a really, really strange group of stories. I think we really added yep. ourselves on the weird factor this time. Truly. Weird brunch. <laughs> we made it weird. Our new theme song. Thanks. thanks no, thanks, the Ariel, one we had is so much better. <laughs> Watch out for bridges. Why is it always bridges? You know, I, I guess because stuff can live under it. I guess. Yeah. And, and why in San Bridges Antonio, are creepy. Like they only have the one little river, right? It's not like a, it's not like Seattle where they have 75 bridges, you know, over right. giant bodies of water. I did read that in olden times, people thought that the devil didn't like bridges because like man was able to build over something and like, I don't know, some devil related shit. Like it went against. <laughs> Nature. I don't know. That sounds like that some. Shit. That sounds like some coded racism. Like if we cross the river, <laughs> they can't get us. Mm. It's against nature. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And on that Anyways. Note, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, there is a trail, a paved trail for further exploration around Donkey Lady Bridge. So, see, I won't be getting on that trail. Yeah, I will I- go in my car and honk mm-hmm. at night. I will ride in someone else's car and be forced to ride in that car. And I will close my eyes and ears as hard as I can. um, And just cry. But I will not be walking around anywhere. Mm. Absolutely not. I hope somebody writes a parody of Old Town Road called Donkey Lady Bridge. (laughs) Donkey Lady Ridge Road. It sounds like you're the person to do it, Karina. No, you have to rhyme. I hate rhyming. It's the worst. Yeah. You start writing and then before you know it, you end up writing a dumb poem in your autobiography that kills people. There you go. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. It's the gateway drug. <laughs> Donkey Lady is the gateway to murdering people. Yeah. Through a poem. Yeah, I saw that on a sign heading into San Antonio once. It's the gateway to murdering people. Donkey Lady. Bird. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say San Antonio. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was a wild ride. <laughs> I had a great time. I did too. And I know Lisa needs to start her work day now. So we should probably. Yeah, right. Yeah. I know. Yikes. But... These people have cool. no humanity. All right. I'm going to go to the chicken. Well, <laughs> thanks for listening. Bye. 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 <laughs>